everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Faith to Go podcast, your one-stop shop for everything you need to have faith discussions throughout your week with your friends and with your family. My name is David Tremaine. And I'm Hannah Wilder. And we are unemployed. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Hannah and I uh, both had our last day at our respective churches this past Wednesday. If you're listening to this in the week of July 4th. Yeah. yeah. And we both were at our last job for exactly two years. Yeah, we started at the same time and ended at the same time. So crazy. That's amazing. So I'm formerly the Minister of Formation at Good Sam. Hannah, you're the, formerly the... Curate at St. Mark's. Curate at St. Mark's in City Heights, both Episcopal mm-hmm. churches. Mm-hmm. And now we're out in the world, you know? Just trying yeah. to figure out what's next. We're in a cool place of discernment together. That's right. Um, and we welcome you into that place with us. Welcome, everyone. <laughs> welcome. To the Faith to the Go void. podcast. <laughs> to the void. Welcome to the unbearable weight of the void. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great place. <laughs> the uncertainty and ambiguity will crush you if you're not strong enough. Um, welcome to the Faith to Go podcast this week uh, leading up to July 11th, Sunday, July 11th. We'll be talking about the gospel for proper 10 in year B. Uh, that will be from Mark chapter 6. Uh, not a good story for John the Baptist. So all the John the Baptist fans, the JBAP fans. <laughs> JBAP. Uh, this is a tough one. Uh, yeah. But we're not getting to it yet because uh, we're welcoming in Hannah Wilder. Faith to go all-star. What did you Woo! want me to say? Rock star was your yeah. request? Yeah. Hannah yeah. is a rock star. Oh, um, uh, and we always... What? I learned it all from you. Oh, thank you. That's very kind. <laughs> we always want to hear from our uh, Fate to Go All-Star guests uh, where they saw God in this past week. So, Hannah, would you share with everyone where you saw God this last week? Sure. I had my last day at the St. Mark's Food Pantry. And, you know, it's always a bustle of activity. Um, we actually had the Reverend... Regan Schutz there, um, the rector of Christchurch Coronado, and she was just volunteering and checking it out and building relationships. So that was really cool to get to know her. And we had some other new volunteers. And um, so there was a lot of hustle and bustle. And I was telling some of our food pantry clients goodbye and just having really good conversations with people, just feeling the outpouring of love from people and praying with people and just listening to people and um it was a rich time. And then I had this one moment where I felt like a tug to go and just sit in the sanctuary space, which is really one space that's also got a bunch of tomatoes and onions and potatoes in it. And, you know, like that's where the food packing happens. And so it's cool. Um, But I, I went and sat in front of the altar and just was quiet for a minute, put my phone away, just sat in this moment of reflection, which of course made me cry <laughs> because it is it's it's saying goodbye to a congregation and a, a faith yeah. community after two full years and mm-hmm. i i actually really felt the holy spirit in that moment because um sitting and reflecting isn't something that i like do naturally like i have to force myself to do it but it's so it's so good just to pause and to let those emotions wash over you and to feel the goodness it's like a it's like there's tears but there's sweet tears you know it's like mm-hmm. oh this was so good <laughs> yeah. 
so many ways. So, yeah. um, I really did feel, feel God in that moment. That's awesome. Yeah. I was thinking about this, like two years isn't very, we both were at our, these respective jobs for two years and two years. It really isn't that long, you know, like in the life of a church, you know, thinking about how long those communities are together. But these two years are like 10 years. Yeah. Like these last two years have been the longest two years of all time. Agreed. And so it's like, yeah, it was two years, but it was like the most tumultuous, challenging, frustrating, holy, sacred two years mm-hmm. to be in a, in a community, like struggling to stay connected, a community based on like embodied connection mm-hmm. and presence. Yeah. You know, to be through this, this time of just disconnect uh it was like yeah it was it put a lot of years on me a lot of miles yeah a lot of really hard it was really hard well thank you for sharing that hand that was awesome um and we invite you all to share with us uh where you saw god this past week we'd love to hear from you we'd also love to hear any of your stories from this week of faith discussion and reflection you can email us faith to go at edsd.org you can contact us through our website, myfaith2go.org, or you can contest, contact us through or follow us on Instagram at faith2go. Hit us up in the DMs. That's as cool as I get, that phrase right there. Um, so we're going to get to the gospel. Uh, the gospel for this upcoming week, July 11th, as I said before, proper 10, is Mark six fourteen to 29. Hannah's going to read it, and then we are each going to share a point. King Herod heard of Jesus and his disciples, for Jesus' name had become known. Some were saying, John the baptizer has been raised from the dead, and for this reason these powers are at work in him. But others said, It is Elijah. And others said, It is a prophet, like one of the prophets of old. But when Herod heard of it, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised. For Herod himself had sent men who arrested John, bound him and put him in prison on account of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because Herod had married her. For John had been telling Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. And Herodias had a grudge against him and wanted to kill him, but she could not. For Herod feared John, knowing that he was a righteous and holy man, and he protected him. When he heard him, he was greatly perplexed, and yet he liked to listen to him. But an opportunity came when Herod, on his birthday, gave a banquet for his courtiers and officers and for the leaders of Galilee. When his daughter Herodias came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his guests. And the king said to the girl, Ask me for whatever you wish, and I will give it. And he solemnly swore to her, Whatever you ask me, I will give you, even half of my kingdom. She went out and said to her mother, What should I ask for? She replied, The head of John the baptizer. Immediately she rushed back to the king and requested, I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. The king was deeply grieved. Yet, out of regard for his oaths and for the guests, he did not want to refuse her. Immediately the king sent a soldier of the guard with orders to bring John's head. He went and beheaded him in the prison, brought his head on a platter, and gave it to the girl. Then the girl gave it to her mother. 
When the disciples heard about it, they came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. All right. Thank you, Hannah. Welcome. Intense. What a story, (laughs) really, you know? Yeah. And uh, so this story, uh, for some context, is from Mark chapter 6. This is the the first stories in Mark chapter 6 were the ones we heard last week. Uh, Jesus being in his hometown being rejected by the people there and then sending out the disciples. And then this is the next thing that happens. And it's interesting to think about this, that that, that like the timeline here is not that this is happening uh, while the disciples are sent out necessarily. Uh, the Because they're saying that King Herod was starting to hear about Jesus. His Jesus's name had become known. So Jesus is starting to make some waves here. And uh, in Galilee, which is which is Herod's little region that he is responsible for. And then this whole story of him of the beheading is kind of like in retrospect because Herod is worried that John has come back from the dead uh, to get him. (laughs) Really? (laughs) So we've got some um, Herod being a little um, paranoid and the story of why and what happened. And this, and then the next story is the feeding of the five thousand, uh, where the the disciples return to Jesus, tell him everything that happened, and then they continue on in their ministry in Galilee. So, thinking about all that, keeping that in mind, Hannah has the first point. Yeah, and my point is just to remember the difficulty of the calling, you know. And I think that as Christians in North America in the twenty first century. We need to be honest about why we aren't more terrified by our Christian lives, hmm. you know, because as I, as we were talking, it's like this story takes place just after Jesus sends out the disciples and before they come back. And I feel like Mark placed this story here to remind us that, you know, as we go out and be Christ in the world, we are going to face opposition hmm. and we might even lose our lives in some way for it. You know, and I so then that got me thinking about who is this person of John the Baptist, good old Mm JBAP, and like what does he, what does he represent maybe archetypally for us as Christians in this day and age? I think that for me, the story of Jesus' death and resurrection gives me hope Mm -hmm. because it's like, yeah, in my own life, I experience death and resurrection all the time, like leaving leaving a job you know like that's a bit of a death and then you have to go through this time where you don't know what's coming next and then before the next thing comes it's hard right but you know that there's going to be that hope and that new life and it it will come and um but what about (laughs) jbap because he stood for the truth you know he stood up he spoke truth to power he was courageous he he like lived his call faithfully and it gets him killed in this insane way. I just imagine like a drunken party. There's like, you know, dancing of some kind. And then this like maybe spoiled girl just gets her way with a scheming mother. And, you know, there's all this pressure on Herod. Mm-hmm. And it, it just feels like such an undignified death for someone like John the Baptist, you right. know? Yeah. So, so what does that mean for us as Christians? Like, what's the message there? It's very unsettling to me. I mean, my point is kind of like a, 
a non-point. <laughs> like, like yeah. I don't know. A wondering. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a wondering. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think that John's death was not the end of his mission in the world. And mm-hmm. the fact that we are talking about him today and that there are relics from John the Baptist all over the world. Um, I read this one cool story about... Uh, a box that was dug up under a fifth century monastery in like um, Bulgaria, I think it was. And um, the, the oral tradition is that there were pilgrims who took John's parts of John's body to Bulgaria. Mm -hmm. And then they carbon tested those relics and it came from a first century Jewish man. Mm -hmm. So, and that was just discovered, I think like, in the last 10 years. And so that's just sort of mind blowing to me that um, these relics, there may be something to them, you know? Right. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. It makes me think of just how like we could, how it's like this, is this, is the wondering, my wondering then is like, how is it asking us to reframe how we think of our stories within the scheme within like this the larger story like you're saying this is like a story in a story we talked about a story in a story last week mm-hmm. you know, we're all a story within a story we're a story within god's story we're a story within the stories of our communities and so yeah. that like that john is john is a product of john's story is part of this big story of god's work and justice and liberation in the world and also his story is like a a piece of this kind of domino effect of people's stories. Like he is a product of Abraham, Mm -hmm. Isaac, and Jacob of Moses Mm -hmm. of Joshua and the judges and like all, and the psalmist and the, the prophets. And And Hannah. Exactly. Right. (laughs) Rachel and Leah and Deborah and Hannah and Ruth, like all these people created John, you know, John is carrying on the tradition and that Jesus carries on John's tradition. And then the mm. disciples carry on Jesus' tradition. That's beautiful. You know? And we, yeah. and we are a product of all those people that have come before us so that we yeah. embody like John is resurrected in us. Whenever we do the work that John was doing, Ooh. Jesus is resurrected in us. Whenever we do the work that Jesus was doing. <laughs> I'm snapping cause that is good right there. And so like, and like, and like you said at the very beginning of your point, if we're not, if, if the, if the way we're embodying our Christianity of, if we're the, if the way we're embodying the example of Jesus isn't pushing us, making us uncomfortable, we might not really actually be doing what we think we're doing, you know, because John's, John was, John pushed to the point of death, you know, and Jesus pushed to the point of death. And so, and so many people after them have pushed, pushed for justice to the point of death. And we need to push if, unless we're either pushing or we're being pushed, you know? So Mm -hmm. which one do you want to be? Which one are you going to be? Are you going to be, are are you going to push for greater justice? Are you going to be the one in power being pushed like Herod was? And I think that, that kind of gets to my point because my point is about the way that Herod kind of holds the the ends of the sp- of our of our human capacities for 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 truth being spoken to power and our capacities for discomfort 
uh, in the face of justice and transformation and change and being asked to change, being asked to reframe our perceptions, understandings of the world, things like that. And uh, I just I the th the one thing that jumped out to me really was this sentence uh, that when when Herod heard John, he was greatly perplexed and yet he liked to listen to him. And like the fact that Herod Herod in this story is just like such a human. He, this is like the most human Herod is, you know, yeah. he's like such a supervillain. <laughs> um <laughs> He and yeah. Pilate, especially at the end, you know, uh, with Jesus. But like here he's like he's just like a guy who doesn't know what he's doing. He knows mm -hmm. what he's he's definitely like creating injustice. He's definitely profiting off of people's uh, pain <laughs> and suffering. So he knows what he's doing in that regard. But he also seems to be wrestling with something here. Mm -hmm. And so that's so, so very human. It's so good to kind of see him as multidimensional. Yeah. Because if Herod can be multidimensional, then like the person we make as the problem is also multidimensional, mm. you know? And um, it's so much easier to just make people one dimensional evil villains and then they're the problem. But really it's not Herod. Herod is both the problem and not the problem because the problem is really the system that created and sustained Herod. That's the problem. Herod is a human doing his best, most likely, <laughs> with what he's yeah. got. He's messing yeah. it up. He's, <laughs> he's hurting people. He's causing suffering. And yet he's wrestling. He's coming up against this guy who's really messing with his head, who's really pushing on him, pushing his buttons. And in the face of that, doesn't just kill him. He doesn't just write him off. There's something in John's message that's tugging at Herod. I feel like that is a great, that is the hope I think in this story that this guy who's built on power, who's built to overpower people, who's built his life on uh, his, who has created a zero sum game mm -hmm. in his life uh, has the capacity to wrestle with the truth being spoken to him in his power. And at the same time, at the end, he gives in to that desire for power because really that's what this is at the end here that we could say it's like we could say it's like uh, peer pressure or, you know, wanting to maintain that he had out of his regard for his oaths and for the guests, whatever that means. Come on, Harry. Yeah. Yeah, that's about hold keeping power. That's hoarding and keeping power in the face <laughs> of what you know is right, what you know is the thing to do that you just can't do because of your own feeling of scarcity around your own power. Um, because to give, because to say no to this girl would be to give some power away to say that he can't just do whatever he wants because he's being pulled. Something else has power over him. Um, anyway, so he's, he shows us the capacity we all have the capacity to hold discomfort and at the same time, the capacity in the face of discomfort to destroy it and shut it down, you know? Um, and so I'm just like, I wonder for myself, I know, for, I feel this in myself. Like I'll, I'll watch a video, I'll read an article or a book, or I'll hear someone speak that really like pushes me beyond myself, beyond my own understandings, hits me in a place where it makes me uncomfortable, which means I know that it's hitting me in a place where I need to 
pay attention, to hold a space for that discomfort. And what I really want to do is shut it down. And if Herod can be both perplexed and still listen, then I can too. <laughs> you know, yeah. like we yeah. can all do that. We can all do that. And the more we do that, the more we hold that space, not trying to figure it out, not trying to explain it away, but just hold it, let it be, see what arises from it, we'll be changed for the better. We'll, be, we'll create the capacity. We'll have the capacity cultivated in us to hold that questioning, to hold the possibilities, the hope for the future, and to be transformed to greater works of justice uh, that we might never have thought possible before. Like we need our paradigm shifted. Because yeah. the way it's been since Herod has not been working, you know, so we like need new ways of thinking and that's not going to happen unless we can be both perplexed and keep listening. Yeah. So be aware of the people whose message makes you uncomfortable. Yeah. And, and look for the truth in it because there's a reason it's making you uncomfortable. Yeah. And it doesn't mean you have to necessarily agree, but it does mean you need to engage with it. You know, you need to engage yeah. with that discomfort. Uh, because there's plenty of times where that like we'll we'll all like hear something. I'm like, I know that this is not true, but it's also like a perspective maybe I need to hear. And that creates the capacity for wondering, for dialogue, for connection with people. Because otherwise I'm just disregarding people's ideas uh, mm -hmm. and, and, and experience. You know, just as much and as I want to disregard Herod. But like mm -hmm. he's a human being, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and when we do disregard, we shut down opportunities for growth and learning in ourselves, mm. which really only hurts us. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, and, and limits our capacity to do that work that John did, that Jesus did, that mm -hmm. we're being asked to do. Mm -hmm. But I, I think that it's true that um, Herod is a person who I have compassion for in this story because he's so relatable. Like, mm -hmm. I've certainly felt in those situations mm -hmm. where it's like... <laughs> uh, I'm being pressured to do something I don't want to do. Like it says he was deeply grieved, which makes me think that he may have even developed a little bit of a, a quasi friendship with Jabap, you know, mm -hmm. because like <laughs> it says he really liked listening to him. So I'm picturing like there are probably many times he brought John out of his little cave to like mm -hmm. sit and talk with him or just, you know, I don't know, go over stuff or listen, right. you know, and then he's he, like, he's deeply grieved. He's really going to miss that, even though it's not a real friendship because there's not equal power, but right. there's some kind of a relationship there. Yeah. There's uh, something that's... in Herod that where he knows, he knows there's something more and like, he can't, he just can't get there. Like yeah. he can't get past his own power, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Which is so relatable. Yeah. I mean, that's so human, mm -hmm. really. And tragic. Tragic, for both of them, yeah. You know? Yeah. All right, well, that's our two points, and that's enough, you know? <laughs> Number one point was Hannah's, and it was about uh, John the Baptist, about resurrection, holding this question, you know, what about John? You know, we have this hope, this, this promise, uh, how do we look at the story and and reframe our understanding of all those things? Uh, resurrection, justice, salvation, this our stories and how we conceive of our stories in this bigger story of God. And number two was my point, and it was about Herod, this wrestling that Herod does, his ability to be uncomfortable with John, uh, to be perplexed and listening and wondering how we can do that as well. And without, you know, at the end there, Herod really 
not being able to be uncomfortable and really um, uh, falling back onto the status quo of his own power. So having heard uh, those, uh, if you'd like to add a third point, we'd love to hear your point. What's, what's your third point from this gospel story? If you want to share that with us, you can email us, faith2go at edsd.org. You can contact us through our website, myfaith2go.org. Or you can email us or contact us on Instagram at faith2go. And thank you to Hannah Wilder for being another rock star Faith2Go podcast guest. Thanks, David, for inviting me. It's so fun to talk about the gospel with you. Also, fun fact, Hannah's been to Herod's Temple. Castle. I have. Machuaris. I've been there. What is it like? It is very hot and dry, and you Mm -hmm. go up a crazy windy road, which Uh is really hard for those big tour buses to get up. It gets really scary if Uh you get scared by those things. So don't look out the window. Mm -hmm. But it is amazing because it's pretty well preserved. And, like, the floor, like... You feel like you're like you you're dancing on that floor where Herodias danced mm. the same exact floor. Wow. It's just crazy. Yeah. Pretty cool. You should go if you get a chance. Where is it? It's in Jordan. It's in Jordan. Okay. Yeah. Well, everyone, there you go. Hannah will be leading <laughs> uh tours. You can yeah. sign up That'd at so uh, wildercommunications.org. Maybe that'll be my next thing. <laughs> what is your website, Hannah? wildercoms.com wildercoms.com <laughs> uh, thanks everybody for listening and we'll be back next week for the gospel for the week leading up to July 18th and until then we say goodbye bye everyone goodbye.